0: Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast with best shows on TV, and I'm Zach, and tonight we're discussing The Bastard Executioner, uh, episode 104. It was titled, A Hunger slash Nguyen, um, N-E-W-Y-N. Anyway, um, of course, the wonderful Coot, Kurt, I should say, Sutter, as I was humbly corrected by one of our viewers. Um that I have been evidently saying suitor. I apologize for that. The, uh, believe it or not, I do have a friend here locally who is has uh, the same last name, same spelling, and they go by suitor. So, uh, oops on my part. Anyway, um, guys, the episode itself, I am finally having some positive encouragement. This was the first episode that's kind of turned the tide or changed direction for me in a positive way. Um, I'm starting to finally get that grip and that hook and that... the the care about certain characters. Um, Looking past the unknowns and the never really seen befores and uh, the verbiage and the way they're talking are not bothering me as much, even though it does have some problems, but it's starting to get into its own. And so I, I think that it was just that whole shock of it's not being... Uh, Sons of Anarchy or The Shield, and this is a period piece, which is I'm not typically fond of. Much like uh, one of my new followers and guys who left me a great review, Andrew, um, and his uh, little deal where his podcasts are the best, and props to him. Appreciate the review he gave us. Um, but the the show has definitely definitely piqued my interest, and we're finally getting to the meat and bones and uh, the real. A real situation and the, mu- the mystery and the curiosity is starting to unfold and I'm really enjoying it now. The, uh, don't get me wrong, it definitely has some spots here and there that were like, eh. But, this one, by far I think was the best episode. It, from start to finish, it's moving plots along, the pace is good. Um, the, like I said, the characters are introducing and you, you, you're starting to love and hate certain ones and I think that's what's, what's been missing because, you know, I guess uh, acquired taste. Um, You know, in the very beginning of the episode, you know, it really goes into, you know, a situation that makes that curiosity just explode. You see the capture of what looks to be a messenger or another... Uh, religious uh, witch, Selic, or something, but it's a male, of course. Um, and him trying to burn a scroll, uh, and him being captured, and it sets the for you know sets it up for why and who is he and how is it connected to Honora and all these mysteries and uh, and I really really like this. This is the part of the shows that it needed. Um, the basic drama of him being stuck where he is and people knowing who he is and all that stuff. It's okay, but the uh, this part, adding that really unique mystery and intrigue, and kind of mystical and uh, fantasy, even uh, is definitely adding the, the the salt and pepper or the seasoning that's needed for the for this recipe. Um, the uh, and of course, the Baroness joining the mix and going through her uh, her little situation for this entire episode was also another good situation to follow, and you're starting to see where she's coming from, and she has an objective and a mission, and it's nice to see, uh, much like a lot of cursory things, you have. there's splits, and people have their own objectives and how they intertwine and affect and... Uh, are going to end up colliding with each other and seeing the outcome and trying to guess what that is is what makes the show what it is and what, you know, Kirk Sutter is... Uh, sorry, Sutter is uh, doing a great job and why I'm a huge fan of his. Um, and I've also learned, you know, I had some people call and were telling me in, in email, uh, you know, who do you call this person? You know, is it is it Wilkin Brattle? Is it Maddox? You know, for this episode, you know, we're supposed to be assuming he is Maddox, you know, and that was a... Uh, kind of a situation for this episode, and led to some of the drama. Uh, you know, for well, I'm going to refer to him as Maddox slash Brattle or back and forth. If that bothers you, let me know. I'm sorry. I just want to make sure everybody understands w- what's going on here. Um, you know, Nora comes up in you know towards the beginning of the episode, and got to. Um, You know, Maddox rattles the guys that are out in the woods, been sitting there for two months, and lets them know that she's having, you know, premonitions that something bad's going to happen here, and they need to leave. And there's, you know, she's starting to see things, and she's realizing, like, one messenger or the other person that was unequal to her has been captured, and bad things are happening there. You know, and they don't look like they're hindering her warning very well. Um, And then it gets right into the meat and potatoes of this messenger. And he... Is captured and he's being tortured, and you learn that the person that is behind who's trying to capture him and doing the torturing is the archdeacon uh, of the king, um, and of course his, I guess Stu Lee side, you know his uh, his first man, whatever you want to call him, I don't know, but it was Ed Sheeran, which is uh, quite a trip, and unfortunately, I mean, I really enjoyed that he was in there. But he doesn't just—he just he just does not personify the person as uh, a clergyman of some type that exhibits this kind of torture and behavior and is okay with it. And I just—I think it was a cool person to put in there. But I think the spot they put him in in a casting decision there was um, a little off. And uh, but that's my opinion. I don't. I don't. I don't think he pulled it off. He was just—it was—he it was too smiley. He was too grinning. He was, you know, it was—it was—it was a bridge too far. It was a struggle to absorb him as that character to make it believable. I think the archdeacon is right on the money. I don't know this actor, but I think he has that look of a wolf and, uh you know, sheep clothing. And uh, uh, so I give kudos to Sutter for that casting decision and what's going on there. Um, and just the brutality. God, you know, I've always said I've always enjoyed the brutality and the not afraid to show the violence and stuff. Because I mean, unfortunately, you know, regular, plain old Jane network TV violence is just—it's become you know static and boring and uh, doesn't. You know, there's no excitement, something, nothing new. And this episode, we see a man literally getting his eye dug out with a uh, you know a dagger. Uh, and it's brutal. Uh, and, you know, I know people are like, oh, you enjoy that? And I'm like, yes, I enjoy seeing something new and unique, not necessarily that an eye is being dug out of somebody's, you know, head. Um, and so I, I thought that was something good. I enjoyed it. It made me lean up in my chair a little bit and go, yes, this is what I'm looking for. This is why I wear a cider fan, and so on. Um, you know, and then shortly after that situation, you see – the some knights or some soldiers riding through there and you see another man dismembered and arms and legs have been swapped again, much like we saw Nora find in the last episode or two. And at the time you don't realize that that is the archdeacon doing this. And when that becomes unraveled later and you see this guy who's been torturing this messenger as I call him, and he cuts his arms off and then he drags his stump, this body and uh, which, wow, uh, kudos to the special effects on that because that looked as real as it could have ever been. You know, the eyes missing, the arms dangling and cut off and then dragging his body like it did. It was impressive. Um, you know, it's one of the few times I can say the special effects in this show has really stepped it up and made it look the part. And so it's just another reason why this episode is really propelling it back into a, a you know an SOA caliber show that I'm enjoying watching. But that also revealed that it tells you who the person is who's been doing these mysterious deaths, you know, these what they call satanic or extreme murders. and I thought that was really, really good. And it's setting the tone that there's not just a good and evil going on here, but something mystical, fantasy. Um, it's behind the lines. It has an alternative motive. And I think that's even great. When you have more more plot lines, they have the potential of crossing through each other and creating havoc. Great. That's, that's what's going to make the show dynamic. Um, you know, the Baroness's advisor or Chamberlain or counselor or, you know, Whatever you want to call him, the guy is Corbin or whatever. Um, the guy from True Blood. Uh, he's at this time he's doing his own agenda. You know, he's called in the Baron from a neighboring shire uh, under false pretenses. Um, he's got an agenda to try to make some moves for himself so that he can become part of a wealthy shire in a combination with the new Baron and having him marry the new, you know, the Baroness. And uh, the man's got a plan. And the plan is impressive. Um, you know, your wife's going to be dying of consumption. You know, the baroness is pretty. You can, you know, get her married to do whatever she would do to save her lands. Um, you get rid of your chump so I can become your chamberlain. Uh, we get a new port and become even wealthier and more powerful um, and create more wealth and nobility for everyone, including himself. Um, I think it's a well-thought-out situation uh, a winner for a lot of folks. Uh, as well as, you know, he's also keeping his end of the deal when it comes to Maddox, a.k.a. Brattle. Um, when, you know, you kind of discover that the person the Baron brings with him, his Chamberlain, knows that Maddox is not Maddox. And that becomes a great plot point later. Because there is that tension of, is he really going to notice, or is he really going to say anything, or do anything, or will he even remember, you know, and... Luckily, that came, that came true, and the drama and the situation and the tension of that felt good. It was realistic. There was that pause of, are you sure? I see the cross on your face, but I'm not there. It wasn't like an immediate, oh, that's not him, that's not him in a public area, and I was afraid of that, and they didn't go that route, which was good, um, and it made it more intimate and private, which it needed to be basically for where the show was going. Um, and the way that was set up was even great either, you know, when the Baron brought his men over and, uh, Corbin had his men out there and course with Brattle and Marshall, uh, and doing the whole little fight scenes to, you know, compare and contrast, you know, the types of men and so on, all that looked really good. It had some, you know, it shows some situations where they were going to struggle as well as him being setting up to fight with a guy he still believes killed his family, um, I think it was all well put out. The pace was good. Uh, the timing of everything was good. And you notice the episode didn't end in weird spots this time. Uh, you know, it didn't go gray in these really inconvenient or too convenient locations. Um, and so it felt like there was less commercials, and it was every bit of an hour and 20-minute recording, you know, because I record everything I do. And so uh, the show was definitely hitting on all cylinders right now, and I can... Honestly say that, yes, this is a definitely turn for the tide. Um, shortly after, Brattle is encountered by uh, Corbin and this chamberlain from the other noble shire. And uh, <laughs> it gets to the point of, you're not Maddox, I know who Maddox is, you're not a man of his stature, blah, blah, blah. And Corbin smokes him, knocks him straight to the ground, and it tells him, hey, you're going to kill this man. Uh, and he's like, no, I ain't doing it. Goes out there and sees his men are under, you know, are captured and realizes he has the leverage in the upper hand and and finishes this, this man's off by, of course, taking his judgment, making it look like it's natural. He fell, hit his head, something. He takes a chicken leg and jabs it into his throat and kills him that way. Now, I will say this is very creative. This is inventive. Um, and even a little detail that I thought was good is that, you know, he stuck it in there, and it comes out, and the chicken's falling apart in his hand and all that stuff, and I was like, okay, there's no way he can finish this, and he does. He goes and finishes anyway. These are things you didn't have to do, you know. In some mediocre shows, you stick it in there, he struggles for a few seconds, he dies. In this case, it's a true struggle. It takes at least 10, 15 seconds. He knocks the bone out of his mouth. Chicken is falling apart off of it. He jabs it back in there, and then he dies. Um, It gave it more of a realistic feel. However, I do believe he died rather quickly um, from chicken bones in the throat. I hadn't figured that part out. Um, you know, people go cold way too quick on these shows. I mean, just like in the beginning of the episode, the, the messenger, you know, he he had a your guard, you know, a, a swordsman that was with him, and he killed what well, looked, looked to be two or three men before the main guy got a knife to his throat. And if you notice, this always bothers me. Is that, you know, he grabbed the head, he cuts the throat, the guy shakes his head a few seconds, and he falls like he's a dead fish before he hits the ground. You know, that, I'm ready for somebody to step up and show the reality of it is that it would take time to die from a wound like that. It would, you know, people don't die from a stab wound, people don't die from a sword through you you'll fall, you suffer, you bleed, and then you it's a slow, horrible, miserable death. You know, and I'm not saying you need to show all those details, but don't make it where it looks like a guy becomes a cold fish the second a wound happens. Wake up. I'm tired of seeing this. I'm going for realism. If you want this to be period, you want it to be real, you want to have those effects, then go those little extra details and those things. And this is not just the backstab executioner. There's a lot of shows that do that. But, you know, a good example is is that there was a movie with Tom Hardy, and he was like brothers. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it was anyway. Long story short, Tom Hardy's character gets his throat cut in the in the movie, and it shows him grabbing his throat and holding the skin together, and is able to walk and survive for a long time, and get to a hospital and stitch it together, and he lives. And, you know and Knowing a paramedic in my life and somebody like that is, you know, cutting your throat does not guarantee death. You know, it is something that it gives it a very plausible death, but it is not immediate by any means. Um, You know, he explained to me that you might pass out or different things because of loss of blood to brain or like that, but you're not going to die. He explained that you would actually die faster from a femoral artery cut, you know, in the leg. If you severed that, you know, you would bleed out faster than you would by a throat cut. Um so it just it kind of like you'd think some people who really take the time to show this kind of violence and detail would go that extra mile to show those things. So don't don't let that happen. And you know, if there's a way to let him know, let him know. Um no, I'm off my high horse with that. Now it moves back over to the baroness, and she is meeting the king. or oh, so she thought. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor makes her wait two hours and never even get, shows up. And she's telling food. And Anyway, this creepy counselor that he's got, you know, this grub, uh, wakes her up and tells her to go out here to meet the king at night while he's shooting arrows, you know. Um, and you meet this putz of a king. I mean... You couldn't be one uglier, long-foreheaded, nasty hair, putz-looking fellow you've ever seen. Doesn't have a clue about the gifts he gave her. Doesn't have a clue about anything she wants. Wouldn't know what she was even talking about. It was so air apparent. But I guess it's, you're not supposed to like this guy. And of course, his counselor is the one who gets to make the decision. She puts her, you know, her speech in there about what she wants. Don't waste her time. And evidently, whatever they said in French was an insult, but she understood it and didn't even mention it to the end. Something of the nature of a beetle or something is what I got from that. If I'm wrong, let me know. Uh, but the next morning, the counselor comes back, evidently moved by her speech, and tells her that, uh, you know, we're going to send somebody out there. We're still, we're still going to, you know keep the castle and the shire and all that kind of stuff. And then she hits him with the rope-a-dope and says, well, well, I have a baby on the way, so that person's not necessary. And so basically meaning I can retain control and be in power because the air will take this area. And so I will still be in power. And uh, basically, you know, okay, you just gave me everything and except your little part you thought you were going to have your upper hand on. I just trumped. Um, but we all, I think I know, and most everybody knows, is that she doesn't have a uh, air in the or a bun in the oven or anything else. So that's going to become an issue. And tells me if I had to make a prediction, that uh, she needs to get pregnant and pregnant quick. And who is going to be daddy is going to be the question. And so um, wonder, wonder, wonder. Uh, then finally, towards the end of the episode, you know things are riding along long. Um. The what's his name? God, I always think that it, this is the part of the episode I thought was just like, here we go. This is almost like a walking dead moment. The governor and his heads and you know, in fish tanks. But we have the archdeacon, okay, in his little room here, and he has all these skin. Tattooed skins, uh, which I guess are the backs of all the victims that they have ran down, captured, and tortured and killed, uh, unbeknownst to the other ones around, and has nailed their skins to the wall, um, Kudos! I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Um, you know, these are those little elements that that are cut above other shows of, and and pass those lines of uh, blowing what limits TV allows. And uh, this was cool. Um, and you know, and it was well done. The skin looked, you know, real considering I've never seen what skin looks like nailed to a wall. Um, but either way it goes, I I really thought this was cool. It is really adding to that intrigue, and it makes you want to know what kind of war we're dealing with. This is this a religious war? Is this a you know some kind of secular thing? Is there some kind of good and evil, or is it opposite of what you think? You know these things like that. And I'm just kind of I'm really digging where they're trying to go with this, and looking forward to how it's going to roll. You know, and how does Anora play in this? Because you know it shows her shortly after with her leather bound diagram of this tree that had these star symbols at the end of well in the branches. And it's even on, you know, some of the writings and the, the scripts that a guy was carrying and on the back skins and and she takes hers and she scratches out. I mean, it looks to me the same number of shirts I call it shirts or skin shirts or whatever that are nailed to this archdeacon's wall is the same number of stars that are scratched out on her leather pitcher in her cave. And so it makes me believe that you know her society or this group of people are a fleeting or a you know reducing greatly with a small number they already are anyway. And so it's very curious to you know where are they going with this? Is Anor going to be the last one? Is you know is there? greater numbers better numbers I mean I don't know there's not enough information there but it's definitely definitely piquing my curiosity and I'm drooling and wanting to know more and so that is definitely becoming uh, more and more apparent um, and finally the, you know the Corbin there you know and his final deal with um uh, the baron and the baron's a smart guy, you know, of, you know, well, I see you got rid of my man here, but it's equally as impressive as it is, it equally makes me that much more cautious about my arrangements. And, uh, you know, he's really setting up his own little deal and he's making mo- making moves and getting where it needs to go. And so bottom line here is is that the... Everybody has their own little situation right now. We have at least four, maybe five plot lines that are, are going to collide here and there or even all at once between Bridal slash Maddox trying to get revenge and now get his men out. We've got Corbin trying to get his own agenda to gain strength and favor for himself um, and not be under the rule of the Baroness completely. Now we have the Baroness who's trying to maintain control of her area and and what she's doing and using her smarts and cunning, which could be exposed. Um, We also have uh, the overall Honora, you know, uh, in her situation, what what was her ultimate goals behind the scenes on this? Why is Brattle so important? There is a connection because we see Kirk uh, Sutter and as being a you know a healthy looking young man, a man, and watching him as a young boy, and do they know he, who he was? And is this all part of a master plan or something? So, like I said, these things right here are all unraveling. The great details, um, they're piquing interest, and so. I can't wait to see what happens next. Um, as for the preview, the, as I said before, I think the, uh, the Baroness is in a tight spot, and a, you know they talk about her being exposed as a fraud and what they could do. So, I think we might get a little bump and grind with the Baroness with somebody. And, Of course, it could be old Brattle. Uh, you know, he's a he's a he's a fetching guy. So, uh, who knows? Um, and then. It talks, you know, you see that there's some more warfare and battle and some other situations that are going on, but none of them are very specific. But the king's counselor, you know, he's concerned about her being fraud. The baroness is definitely making moves where she can secure herself. And of course, Corbin is fighting some things. So there's going to be more about those. Didn't show much about Honora, but hey, she's always going to be in the mix. Um, But as for 104, I definitely give it the most improved award. I definitely say it's the best episode so far. Um, it definitely had everything I was looking for and what I've been hoping for out of the show to make it where I feel good about coming back next week to watch it. Um, but other than that guys That's what I got You know, uh, There were some feedbacks so But a lot of it was just talking about how they were impressed And you know uh, enjoying the show more And uh, and there were several people That said that Ed and Sharon Great to see him but wasn't great to see him <laughs> And which is kind of the way I felt as well um, I, I wonder what his longevity on the show Is going to be uh, We'll see Maybe he's a character who develops But I just don't see it I just don't see it at all but as for that guys um, that's it for this week Uh, sorry I didn't get this out sooner my wonderful little girl got sick the other day and so I needed to take care of that and so this is getting out a little late but uh, I look forward to next week and uh, until then this is Bleed TV and I'm Zach and y'all can catch me anytime on my Facebook page on Twitter at at Bleed TV Podcast as well as we have our um, Gmail which is Bleed Podcast at gmail.com hit me up with your comments, feeds and any reviews positive of reviews you can send my way we just got a couple the other day from some Bass Executioner fans and I can't say thank you enough for those Uh, everyone we get we really really appreciate it right now we're maintaining a high grade and we really really appreciate that Um, you know our our reviews are authentic and real and not friends we're asking everybody. We want it to be truly from fans that feel good about the show and, and those people who have, we have praised before and for, and I'm going to continue praising again and again. Thank you all. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you all next week. Until then, later.